Welcome uh, to Brad and Will Made a Tech Pod. I'm Will. I'm Brad on what feels like a very strange week to be doing a podcast. I This is the first time I've ever had a week where I was like, Jesus Christ, I need to do a, t- a politics podcast so I can get this out of my system. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, I, mean, I'm a, I can't talk if I'm not on a podcast, it turns out. Yes. Um, how are you doing, man? I'm all right. I mean, we we ping ponged a bunch of uh, non-politics, non-current events related topics back and forth last night. And it seemed cowardly. None of them felt right. Yeah. I mean, I asked the, or, uh, well, we asked the Discord, too, and, and they had a yes. bunch of great ideas for episodes that weren't going to happen this week, but we'll do them in I the future. I don't, I don't know if I'd say cowardly so much as just like, uh, you know, I don't know the term for it. It just didn't feel right to talk about anything else. I mean... How do you how do you record a podcast three or four days after the attempted violent overthrow of your government and talk about something the state other. of the, the state of VR headsets? Yeah, it's it's um, it's funny. Like uh, the the common wisdom in our spaces in in our you know is to stay in your is it, that we're supposed to stay in our lane and not talk about politics stuff because we might lose some of our audience. So let's get this out of the way up front. Uh, I, uh, Gita from uh, Vice was asking about this on Twitter the other day, and I responded the same way I respond to people on my Twitch channel when they ask me why I talk about politics on my Twitch channel, and they say I'd rather they'd rather not. I'm like, well, here here's the deal. Um, I if you support the current regime in the United States, I don't want your time or money or yes. presence in my in my spaces. So yes, I'm I'm comfortable saying that as well. Yeah, uh, and also I mean also fuck classifying this. And what's just happened as mundane everyday, like day to day politics. I mean, this is like history at this point. Yeah, we're not talking about like like, deficits. We're talking about. Yeah. Like we seriously just have just experienced one of the gravest days in American history. Not 72, 96 hours ago, something like that. Well, and, and, and so the reason I feel this way, and I think you had similar experiences, too, along the way, is that at some point. I got an email early and tested and somebody was like, Hey, I know where you're from and I know what you believe, but I get that you have to be quiet about it because of who you are and what you do for a living. And I was like, Oh, fuck this. This is not okay. <laughs> no, if, you, if you think I'm on the side of the people that, that think some people aren't people and, and some people are less human than other people and don't deserve the same rights as everybody else get wrecked. I want nothing to do with you. So anyway, yeah. enough yeah. of that. Yes, but here um, we are responsible for producing a tech podcast on this week of all weeks. And like, I don't know, I guess we're just going to chat about it for a little bit and see where it goes. But I think there are there are some and, and some of this came out of the discord. There are some tech angles that we could examine this well, from. And and also, I mean, a long time ago, I was I when I was 18 years old, I thought I wanted to go into politics. And I spent a couple of summers, <laughs> a, a month or two for a couple of summers as an intern on Capitol Hill. And then you quickly turned and ran screaming. From- yeah. And the first time I was like, oh, yeah, this seems OK. And then the second time I was like, no, I'm done. F this. Uh, but yeah, your 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 uh, your brief history as a congressional staffer was kind of what I figured we would start with. Uh, and I, I, know, I know it was what what did you say about 20 years ago? 93, 94. Oh, were the two times that I was there. That's longer than that. It's almost That's 30 years. That is, I mean, that is for numerous reasons. That is basically a different government at that point, both both from the both from the level of like tech that was being employed in the day to day operation of the government, and also like I don't know how much you want to get into it. I mean, ideologically, <laughs> that was like just prior to the era of extreme polarization. So, 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 you're, I'm sure your experiences then were maybe not 100 percent relevant to now, but I'm they, still curious. They're absolutely not relevant to now. Um, the the time I was there, the beginning was the year that we voted that they voted on NAFTA, um, which was the big wow. issue the first summer I was there. Yeah. Um, the it was it was also as Newt Gingrich was gaining power. That's that was the that was yes that was the era of polarization I was referring to. Yeah, specifically that, that was a moment that the the Newt Gingrich gaining power was the moment that I was like oh I don't want anything. The, there were two things that made me realize I didn't want anything to do with it. One was that the fact that uh, one of my jobs one summer was to escort like make sure that if if one of our legislative assistants was walking through certain parts of the Capitol, I was that, that somebody was with her. One, one of the other one of the interns was walking with her so she wouldn't be harassed by members as much. Like just to be clear, elected representatives of the House huh. so that this 40 year old woman who was recently divorced would not be harassed by the elected representatives of our government. It was, the 90s. It was a bad time. Yes. Yeah. Um, the other 
and things have only gotten worse. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the other thing was it became really clear that the Republicans were going in a direction. The the first summer I was there, I I you know I I drove one of I was an intern, so my job was threefold. I I answered emails, answered mail, not emails, mails and faxes, and I would uh, collect them and sort them and feed them into the feed the people's names and addresses into our Wang mini computer. And then I would generate, I would refer the complicated ones to full-time staffers and the ones that were just like, hey, I think NAFTA sucks or I think NAFTA rules. I would generate a form letter tailored for that person and print it on the Wang mini computer, which is funny <laughs> to think about. Wow. If you don't know what a mini computer is, it is a giant ass computer box that like five or six terminals were connected to and they shared time. And I think we had a spreadsheet uh, um, a word processor and a, like the the most minimal database imaginable that were accessible on that thing. Huh. Interesting. So yeah. could, could you can you speak to like so so like the the tech experience of working on the hill? I'm sure is completely different at this point. God, but, I should but, hope so. But, the, but some of the the like cultural and political uh, aspects, I'm sure, are pretty consistent. Like, can you speak to like how much those letters and calls make a difference? How much are on an individual basis? How much are they? acknowledged and passed along and like how much of an impact do they make? Cause I mean, we are, <laughs> I would say we were, we are in an unprecedented times in terms of people needing to contact their reps and demand action. Yeah. yeah. So, um, like that was half of my day most days. Okay. Uh, and, and as we got closer to the NAFTA vote, it became a, a full time. So I would do that in the mornings every day. Um, and then the afternoons I would either do, like run errands, which could involve like carrying stuff back and forth to the floor for, for the mem for, for the representative, for our congressman. It could be giving tours to constituents who had come to visit. Um, I did a lot of that cause I was good at it and then really enjoyed it and had taken the time to learn about the art and the history of the, of the Capitol and stuff like that. Um, uh, I worked for the rules committee one summer, uh, which the rules committee basically determines, the amount of time and the context in which bills are discussed on the floor. And it's, it's, it is the place where the majority basically determines whether or not something is going to land for discussion on the floor and the constraints under which that discussion will be made. Um, so I did a lot of, did a lot of like running stuff back and forth to different offices back then. Cause we didn't have email. Right. There was, right. this was 93. So it was, everything was paper memos and it would either go into the inter-office mail, which was, which was picked up multiple times a day, or if it needed to be taken to another member's office, it would, it, somebody would run it over there physically. Um, the answering emails it, it, now, just to be clear, 30 years ago, long time ago, things change. The volume of message that they're getting now is probably substantially like several orders of magnitude higher. Right. Just because the barrier barrier to communication is so much lower. Right? Yeah. Like back then you had to put a piece of paper into a fax machine and dial a number and get through or you had to like put a stamp on something and, and send mail. Uh, since that time, there have been multiple attacks on Congress congressional leaders. So like the process for mail is dramatically different. Now it goes through multiple screening processes offsite before they see it at the Capitol. So it's a very slow way to get your message to Congress. Um, you're much better off. Uh, it, it's fine to send paper mail, but yeah. if you, if it's something that is time sensitive, like the current situation, you're better off sending an email as I understand can't, it. You can't, you can't sprinkle anthrax into an email. So it's probably going to get there. Yeah. <laughs> quite a bit faster. Uh, tweets are essentially useless. So okay. like you can shit post all you want, but if you want your Congress, rep your congressional representatives or your senator to pay attention to it, send an email. Um, okay, that's 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 interesting to hear because I mean I'm sure I'm sure a decent number of people, myself included, to some extent, have the kind of jaded perspective that all of those messages are probably at best getting met with an eye roll from a staffer and then getting flushed down the toilet. So hearing that hearing that they actually do care to some degree what they hear from their constituents is kind of nice. So, so the thing, I mean, that depends that that varies probably on a representative by representative basis, how much they pay sure. attention to yeah. stuff and how much, you know, how safe the seat that they're in is. And that's kind of thing. I'm sure. Right. The thing I will say is if you send an email, usually the thing to do is to use the form on the, on the, on the members, uh, house.gov or senate.gov website. Uh, cause those go directly into the system. Uh, the, put your name and address and zip code. So they know you're one of their constituents. Cause the thing that is always true is that the, the, if, if somebody from another district, another, another representative's area sent us a letter, it just went straight in the trash. 
right? There's no, you don't bother reading. I don't know if that's the same in the House leader or the Senate leader or whatever's offices because they do have a little bit of a larger role. But for the most part, like we don't refer them to the other members or anything like that. They go away. Um, the next thing we would do is tally. So we would kind of scan the letter. This one is somebody that wants help with unemployment or Social Security. This is somebody who wants to let you know that they think NAFTA sucks. This one is an obvious crank who thinks that we didn't land on the moon. And we would file them all accordingly, laugh at the cranks and 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 and, and but but maintain both a running overall tally of how the constituents felt about a particular topic and how it was changing on a day by day basis. So and, and that that I don't know that the member read it. He read it most days that I was with him. But that was one of the things that, you know, a couple times a day when he, especially if he was on the floor in committee meetings all day, we would run a packet with the things that he needed to look at and, and sign or, um, or give feedback on, uh, immediately, you know, at least twice a day and sometimes more often than that. Um, and, and that, 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 that tally was always part of that, right? Like that was, that was the three o'clock report didn't go out without the tally. And, and that is like. It, it, they look at that and they keep track of that. And even if you are in, even if you are in a district that is hopeless or you are in a district that is, uh, that you know that your representative believes the same thing you do, it's worth taking a minute. I, I think every day right now, given the situation we're in and either sending it through the, through the house.gov or senate.gov forms for your representatives, each of them, or using something like resist bot to do it quickly uh, that, you know, that lets you send basically a text message that goes in through their email system and has, and lets them know that you're one of their constituents. It's never been easier. It, it literally has never been easier. Yeah. You just have to spend and, money to give feedback. <laughs> right. I should probably do that. I mean, my, for better or worse, my representative is Nancy, Nancy Pelosi. And I certainly have felt over time that she's going to do what she's going to do because she's been there for so long and is in the leadership. So like, what can I do personally? But from what you're saying, it sounds, it sounds like it's never not worth it to it's reach out. It's worth letting her know that you support her or you're angry at her and that you vote <laughs> and maybe yes. some of both. Like, yeah. like I never thought that I'd be sitting here on a Saturday when we were recording this after an attempted insurrection on Wednesday and that the person who attempted the insurrection would still be the president on yes, five, I, four days later. It is it is unthinkable. Uh, we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, just kind of the, some of the little manifestations of the situation in day to day life uh, is one of the things I wanted to touch on. But well, but before before we move on to that, I just wanted to ask you, you know, since we're talking about your time there, um, is here, here, here's a kind of an ignorant Civics 101 question. Are all the congressional offices in the Capitol building or are they in like adjacent buildings around the Capitol? Is oh, that just so, where the, the collective business takes place? So uh, leadership offices, leadership has offices in the building. So McConnell, I think Pelosi, um, Price Denny Hoyer, uh, McCarthy, McCarthy yeah. um, Schumer all have small offices in the building. They'll also okay. have offices, much larger offices in the surrounding office buildings. So okay. on the Senate side, there's three, there were, there's, there were three then I think there's another one now, uh, Senate office buildings on the house side. There's f- three or maybe four Senate house office buildings now. Oh, you know, um, that was actually some of the first news stories that were going around after things, after it became clear that things were really getting bad, the like yeah. you were starting to see like, Oh, Oh, building X. I forget some yeah. of the names like this yeah, building is being evacuated house office building yes. or the yes. yeah. names names like that were starting to go around of like, oh, this this office building is being evacuated. They're being told to report to the super top secret tunnels underneath the building and stuff like that. Yeah. So those so the, the tunnels aren't super top secret. They used well, to no, be open no, to the no, public. I, I don't know that they yeah. still are. Yeah. Um, but but they it's more, it's more like emergency tunnels, I guess. No, 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 no. Those are the ones that the members use to get from the oh, house the, office buildings. Just, oh, you mean so, the little congressional subway? So there's a congressional subway, um, but there's also just walking paths on those tunnels. Okay, okay, these, um, okay. I, I, I thought these were more sort of emergency evacuation type tunnels. These, no, these no, are no, not, no. They're, these are not they're like heavily some, trafficked day to day. I see, I see. Okay, um, and like and, I, it immediately immediately conjured uh, images of like Cold War era, like hardened escape tunnels and stuff like that. Yeah, it's not it's not like the Eisenhower escape tunnel from the White House. It's okay. um, it's it's uh, these these are big wide like 30 or 40 foot wide tunnels they often have like art installations from constituents from kids and stuff like that in there uh so if they do like a draw your draw how your country makes you feel contest for second graders in des moines they'll put the art up there for a couple of weeks um the the tunnels so 
just to be clear, there have been, I think, three major security incidents in the time since I was there. Nine, there was a bomb bombing threat in like 95 or 96. There was a shooting at one point, and then there was 9-11, which impacted all federal security. Um, th- at the time I was there, you didn't – you went through metal detectors to go into all of the house office buildings. All of those entrances were lightly secured, and there was like a capital cop at each of them. Um, but most of those capital cops weren't armed. It, it it felt more like a campus PD than like a actual like you know more more like a campus PD PD than something like TSA does today even right. It was it was very light. Um, the same cops worked the same stations every day. I got to know them as an intern working there two months a year for two years, um, and like members don't go through security because because so this is the other thing to know. Um, members and senators will be all over that campus all day long on most days. Um, so there's, there's their food They they have a member and member cafe, member, uh, uh, seating on one on the house side and, and a Senate cafeteria or Senate dining room on the other side. Um, and those are open to senators and their guests and members and their guests. Um, but like, they're also in the rules in the offices for the committees because the committees, while the committees may have like a hearing room on the hill on on the in the Capitol itself, they don't necessarily have offices for all the people, all the lawyers and all the legislative assistants and all the staffers that work for those committees. And and each of those committees, you know, the rules committee, the judiciary, the the um, finance, the foreign affairs, the military, the the the. Um, uh, defense, all, all of the different committees have like 10 to 50 people on staff, right? So th- those offices are all in the office buildings on the edges of the, of the, of the congressional hill as well. Okay. Um, it's actually, since you mentioned it, when, when people use that phrase on the hill colloquially, I mean, I assume they're talking about that entire complex and not just the entire the cap- complex, not, yeah. not, not, not just the Capitol building. Okay. Yeah. And kind of the library, like up to the library of Congress and stuff like that even. Right. So I assume you must have spent at least some time in the Capitol itself. Like, I guess, you know, what we're building up to here is, hey, that's the building that was breached primarily. So, like, I'm curious, like, what well, your experience the house, was. The buildings as well, is my understanding. Did they get in? Oh, really? Okay. Or, or they had to vacate the office buildings because of the bomb threats and yeah. then people were able to get in there. Right. But primarily, you know, that's most of the footage you saw. And obviously that's where the, the electoral vote certification was taking place. And, you yeah. know, you've been, you've been in that building. I just kind of wanted to get a sense of, like both operationally and also a little bit more like uh i don't know it's patriotic and reverential like what is the feeling in that building you know like you see people talking about like oh there's so much history and reverence for the nation here and like i don't know just kind of just an open-ended question of like what it means to you having been in there and worked there to think about this kind of um, breach so taking place so um i spent a lot i mean you spent a lot of time there because like if you're running if you're the gopher <laughs> you go where the congressman is and he's on, you know, you, you wait for him outside the floor at the exit he prefers and y- you go to the committee room where he is. And when there's a recess, you hand him the paperwork that he needs. Right. Um, and, and that happened constantly. And then also, like I said, I gave tours on the reg. So uh, that was a large part of a lot of my afternoons because I was good at it and I enjoyed talking to people and I was personable and the other interns were kind of trolls one summer I was there. So <laughs> um, the, the, the feeling so there's a few i've never been to europe and i haven't done tours like of of castles that are thousands of years old but there's not a lot of places in the u.s where you can walk around and you feel the weight of history you know what i mean like we're young and most of our places are new and the last time i was in a building that was more than 200 years ago was probably 200 years old was probably 10 years ago um it's it's you feel it's it's the thing that Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote in Hamilton that you feel the weight of history and you feel that history has its eyes on you, even if you're just a 19 year old intern, you know, walking, walking, carrying paperwork, inconsequential paperwork to one of 438 representatives on a Tuesday afternoon. And, you know, part of it is the architecture and part of it is the art. But the big thing I think for me was thinking about all of all of so many of the decisions that shaped our country and the world in a lot of ways were made in that building and you know, both good and bad. Like we we have as a country made horrific mistakes. Yeah. We've also done a lot of good. Um, and and 
and you feel that and you think about that every single day. Um, and that, and that's one of the reasons that like when I was there and the, one of the best things about that job, I loved giving tours. One of the best things about that job was going on an f- afternoon that I was free or if I had 30 minutes to kill, I could go sit up in the gallery anytime I wanted and watch the proceedings right in the house or the Senate, whichever one I wanted. And it was absolutely like, like the procedural shenanigans, especially like Mitch McConnell is a bad man, right? <laughs> like just, just to be clear, I think he is maybe the most damaging Senate majority leader we've had in the last yes. in, in modern times. Certainly one of the like top three most dire figures in American politics in the last well, quarter century or something. I mean, his, but I didn't understand where he was coming from until he gave that speech the other day. And it's the speech that's going to define his his legacy. The the one that started before the riots and finished after the riots on on during the electoral vote count. And like, it's pretty clear that he sees himself as the way the framers or at least what he tells himself to sleep at night, I guess, is that he sees himself as the speed bump to slow the 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 pace of change demanded by the rabble. Right. Um, which is which is what the uh, framers his, intended. His, his, his noblesse oblige, you mean? Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, I mean, he also clearly loves to give tax cuts to billionaires and all the other evil shit that Republicans stand for these days. Um, but but. I, you know, it was always fascinating watching the push and pull of government. And then the other thing that was fascinating was like going to the after hours events, whether it's, you know, something that some lobbyists put on or a cocktail reception or whatever, and and standing there and holding the bag while the representatives were talking to each other and actually deciding where they were going to meet. Um, and and as I understand it, I haven't been there since this happened, but as I understand it, that's one of the things that that Gingrich's regime stopped was the kind of out of office cross pollination across the aisle, which is where a lot of government happened. Not that that's a good thing, but it was working better than than I think it is now. Sure. Um, any, anyway, um, so, yeah, watching a bunch of yahoos break into this place that I couldn't like I. I found it at 18 years old, impossible to walk up a stairway, like even one of the like the service stairways, not the not the big wide marble ones, but like a just a, you know, the the, the hidden back stairways that the staff use. It, it made me feel physically ill. To, you know, we haven't had a foreign power overrun our country in 200 years. Right. I, I, I have to imagine it's what you know dolly madison felt like as she was grabbing george washington's portrait as the british were about to smash the doors of the white house right yeah it's it's the 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 thing that's important about that building isn't the building it's not the architecture it's not even the people in there it's the history and it's the the shared belief that what we're doing is right even when it often isn't um and and that that is the thing that was defiled by the president's attempted insurrection on Wednesday. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think when you get down to it, yes, we have all just collectively witnessed or we've experienced a moment of national trauma, right? Yeah. Like, like you know, the seeing people active in neo-Nazi movements and, and adorned in, you know, fascist yeah. iconography of various sorts, storming and overrunning our seat of government is, uh, you know, like... Yes, obviously, say say what you want about this nation's many sins historically and so forth, but like they still they they profaned what is basically a sacred place. Well, and, and you know, and this may be naive. Um, I feel like the people. I, I feel like more often than not, the intentions are good, even if the actions are bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. I, 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 that well, the further I mean, every, back in every, time you go, the worse that gets. Probably. Every, but, eh, let's, yeah, we don't need to get too deep into that. I mean, everybody yeah. is the hero of their own story, right? Yes, very even, true. Even 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 the fascists, but um, you know, like from a you know, like this kind of dovetails with the actual theme of the podcast. Like, there's you know, there's the kind of basic infosec aspect of all those terminals were left unlocked and like files were stolen. You know, like you died. I don't think they've gotten super, super specific, but there have been some some stories coming out that what was the term they used? National security equities were stolen. Yeah, I don't know what that means. I tried to find that out and it, it's not defined. The little I could tell, I took that to just mean that that's just a generic term for like any kind of information or files of national security value. But but but, you know, the point is like a lot of sort of digital information was just sitting there out in the open that has now been 
accessed by who knows. Yeah, I mean, if you thought Hunter Biden's laptop was a bad right wing news red herring, guess what? Pelosi's right. laptop's going to be worse. Um, like, but the, I, you know, I, I don't know that I don't know that either of us have any real special insight into that topic. But it is a topic to discuss that, well, like, a lot of security has been breached in the course of this, along with like the human aspect. I spent a lot of time yesterday reading about uh, from the InfoSec community about what the what what the rational, insane response to unfettered access um an unknown an unknown mob having unfettered access to the the capital and members offices and things like that was and the consensus seemed to be that everything from the power plugs on up should be treated as suspect until it's cleared and that if there weren't foreign governments both friendly and and uh and and antagonistic participating in that mob either through proxies or with people on the ground uh they would be shocked so okay i would assume that every piece of electronics in the capital has to be replaced um and uh that somebody from the nsa or cia or wherever whoever does this fbi is probably going through all that and they're going to find a whole bunch of brand new zero days on all those devices Hmm. um because you know it's as easy as plugging a usb thumb drive in in some cases and just you know letting the software do its magic yeah fun times a lot of yeah. uh, a lot of stuff to unpack from this event, I guess. Um, the thing that uh, the thing that kind of made me think of doing this episode this way in the first place was when we asked for suggestions on the Discord, and somebody uh, I apologize, I can't remember who, but somebody suggested like, "Hey, what techie ways did you keep up with all this shit going on?" And that kind of <laughs> made me think. Like, it did make me think back to that morning. I mean, I you know I went into it. I, I've been a very anxious person by nature, but like I have been quite worried about the 6th of January for the better part of a month because you didn't have to go very far online to see the very people who ended up perpetrating this talking about exactly what they were going to do. Yep. Uh, So it wasn't a huge surprise, but you know, I kind of went into that morning thinking like, okay, this is it. Like I better hunker down at the computer. Like I've got work to do, but I'm going to have this, this and this open to kind of try to keep track of it. And obviously within like 45 minutes, all work ceased uh, because of what began to transpire. But like, you know, I thought we could talk about like what was that like for you and for me in terms of trying to absorb all this stuff. Like, yeah, it, um, I don't know about you, but I had a couple of news channels open and uh, about fifty Twitter tabs, probably at any given point. Uh, a couple of Twitch streams from like anti uh, anti uh, people who've been covering protests for the last year. Yeah, that's an interesting topic there. Like the the split now between like, do you stick with sort of quote unquote vetted like cable news, like, you know, major, major, you know, uh, accredited news outlets or like you said, like kind of citizen reporting, like on the ground live streaming type stuff has become a lot more prominent, especially since like the protests and Kind of civil um, unrest last last summer. Like, I mean, I, I that, that is becoming that, an increasingly like valid and kind of up to the minute way to get information. For yeah, the most I, part, I found that this summer the only way to actually see what was happening on the ground at those protests was to be at them or to be watching a bunch of streams from yeah, people so those, that were on the ground. Those protests, I absolutely agree, with, but particularly with respect to the. Kind of and, point, and just point, to be clear, an the, aggregate of a bunch of people, not just one. Yes. Like yes. it's easy to have one person pre- present a very skewed look at what a, a, a protest on the ground looks like. Yeah. Or, yeah. Although, yeah. I mean, that, that was a slightly different situation because, I mean, in that in that context, a lot of what needed to be reported on was was police brutality that the authorities would much rather you not see. Uh, yeah. Whereas this is more much more of a singular developing situation that is like unprecedented, you know? Yeah. Like this was. Like, sadly, we have many years of experience of protests being quashed, you know, brutally suppressed and yeah. the the evidence not necessarily being aired in public uh, versus what happened on Wednesday being something that nobody in living memory has experience of. So, like, yeah. that was much more of a like, what the fuck, man? I, like, yeah, it, my, was, it was like there was there was a uh, about a two hour window there where it was just like hackles raised, you know, just hair standing up in the back of your neck as like. One thing or another would trickle out, you know, it's like, oh, my God, they've breached the Capitol. It's and then there's like and and this is a topic for kind of social media analysis of like the ability of one tweet to go around and <laughs> and nearly incite a panic. And the tweet in this case that I'm thinking of is the one that said 
Uh, in essence, the Department of Defense has denied the request to deploy the National Guard. Oh, there were two for me. That one, and then I think it's a Business Week or a Bloomberg reporter who was on the pool for the for he was the, he was one of the pool reporters who was in the gallery that day. Yeah. Who said there have been shots fired on the House floor and that was it? Yes, yes, those, those are those, those two, two for sure. Those two were both real bad. Yeah, but the, um, the the one about the National Guard in particular was suddenly a moment of like, oh, is this not just a spontaneous thing among rabble rousers? Yeah, is there that, is there is there institutional support behind this? Is the question that that tweet raised is is what I mean? And like, yeah, because because the individual tweets are so easily shared, something like yeah. that can really make the rounds before there's any real context given to it. Well, uh, so. For for me, the antidote to that is to follow. I went and it was easy to figure out who the pool reporters that still had phone service were at that point. And um, we were we were um, Gina and I were both watching both of those people um, on the reg. I'm. It's funny. I've been reporting QAnon posters for the last two months on the reg on Twitter, and my Twitter mentions right now are just like. Hey, somebody liked this. Somebody liked this. Here's an update. Somebody liked this. Somebody liked <laughs> this. Here's an update. And they're all just getting banned, which fucking finally. Good job. I guess Twitter. I don't know. God, that's yeah. That's a whole other topic is the kind of crazy wave of bans that has been issued in the last 12 hours. I, I, I would say long overdue rather than crazy. I think the same thing was to ban them. I don't think anyway, we're, we're recording this midday Saturday and the yeah. president, the president has been banned permanently from Twitter, from Facebook, from you name it. YouTube, Shop, I believe Shopify shut down all their retail operations. I mean, it's pretty, oh, really? I didn't know oh, that. Yeah. Oh yes. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty extensive at this point. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I mean, for me, it was looking at all the sources that I could find, um, watching, watching what was on the news. Cause they were, I, you know, they were, they were curating those things. I mean, the th- incredible thing about all this is that and and i think the thing that is one of the things that's going to hose the president in the end is that these people felt like they were empowered by an authority by his authority and didn't even feel the need to conceal their faces yeah. as they were committing seditious acts so um i i you know yeah i mean but the way i managed it was by watching as much as i could um, and making sure that the sources were at least fairly legitimate or, I mean, in some cases, like the video of the cop that the, the, that the protester, the, the mob opened the door. See, it's, this is another thing. Language is important. I almost called the people that broke into the Capitol protesters, yeah. which is absolutely incorrect. You know, we have to use the words that describe what these people are and their mob or their insurrectionist or, or, you know, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Um, the, the. Like I recognize that stairway, right? Um, The stairway, there's a, there's a big stairway on the Capitol on the house side. That's like the grand stairway that goes from the, from the area, the speaker's lobby outside the the house chambers up to the, to the, um, to the viewing balcony above the, the gallery above. And it has this huge picture painting of George Washington. It's like 25 feet wide on it. And it's gorgeous. It's an amazing painting. And it's a, it's, it is one of those areas of the, of the Capitol that the hall of statues and the, and the central rotunda all remind you that you're in a place that's important and a place that, that, you know, you, you can literally sit in the spot in the, in the hall of statues, which used to be the Senate uh, chamber before they added the the additional wings on the house and you can sit in the spot where Henry Clay would sit. And because of the arched nature of the ceiling, he could hear somebody at another desk across the room. And because senators have always had assigned seats, he could, he could just sit there and hear everything that they were whispering about on the other side of the room whenever he wanted to sit down at his desk for five minutes. Um, and you can do it. It still works. Like you, you <laughs> I, they, I think they have it stanchioned off now. But when I was there, you, you know, you take people on tours and you put a kid over in the listening area, and then the adults would go stand in the talking area, and it works every time. It's fabulous. Um, like seeing, I, I mean, it just made me unbelievably sad for wow. our country, for the state that we've reached, and angry. 
and and angry at the people who both encouraged it and allowed it to happen. Like, I I think this is this is the reason we all need to be writing to our representatives, like I said, whether they agree with you or disagree with you every single day to let them know that this cannot stand like we have. This is this is the kind of warning sign that if your republic survives the first time, you're incredibly lucky and we need to treat it like we have like a problem that has to be solved. Uh, for the for the health of the union, you don't have to go far uh, in history to find examples of people who try to orchestrate things like this, getting a slap on the wrist and yeah, then no. it going very bad the second time. Yeah. It, don't let people beta test a revolution. Yes, it turns out. Um, um, I, I yeah, you know, I don't even know, like, <laughs> what the run of show is here. This is just kind of a stream of consciousness, but. One of the things that always gets to me around situations like this, and unfortunately, we've been having this experience more and more over the last mm-hmm. handful of years, is the kind of juxtaposition of the the um, the mundane and the extraordinary. Yeah. You know, like extraordinary things couched in like very mundane day to day sort of settings. And like one of those is something I took a screenshot of that morning, which is that I was I was using Xfinity with the cable login to watch mm-hmm. cable news. And they've got their recommendation engines like everybody does. And like on the front page when I loaded it, top it says xfinity stream which is the logo and then there's the little for you column and then (laughs) featured and the first promotional unit u.s capital breached yeah you know it's just like the american fascism show the season finale is a real banger brad totally like normally they'd be serving up like i don't know great british bake-off in that unit or you know you name it anderson cooper or just like something super whatever right and yet, yeah, <laughs> like, you know, like the, the idea that somebody typed the words U.S. Capitol breached into some CMS uh, to spit out this recommendation is just like hard to grapple with. You know what I mean? Like. Here's another fun thing to think about. So I think we all agree that it's good that Twitter finally banned Trump from from their platform. However, for the last five years, maybe longer than that, people have been embedding his tweets in news articles around the Web. Yeah. And because his account is banned and gone, now all of those tweets are gone. All those links are dead. So you have all these articles about the president misbehaving or or posting things that are insane. And now the references for those if people didn't screenshot them and embed them are gone. So I, yeah. I think A, this is a warning sign for journalists in the future to not use the embedded the the, the basic embeds for any social media post and to, to screenshot and save those rather than embed them. Uh and two, it's a question for Twitter about what they're going to do. I, I hope that at some point in the not too distant future, they'll restore the past tweets without allowing him access to new tweets and remove the the ones that are potentially uh, inflammatory. Yeah. Um, yes, there's a legitimate archival need there for sure. And I, I have to imagine they can engineer that even if it's in a bespoke way, right? Even if I, their I, system doesn't actually support it. Yeah, it's worth doing it even if they don't support it. Um, uh as of as of this recording, last I checked, I don't think Apple had removed Parler from their app store. Had they Google did that last night? Do you know? Um, Parler was on. Parler was removed from Google. Was suspended from Google. Uh, Apple gave them twenty four hours or twelve hours. I can't remember to add moderation. Which, uh, judging by my browsing parlor this morning, it seems like they have not managed to do yet. Okay. I think, so. I think it, f- the, the Apple response to this seems especially cowardly given that there are people fomenting active revolution on there yes. on that app right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm and, shocked that they didn't follow Google's lead almost immediately. Right. Like, like giving them 24 hours to remove the to to add moderation at three o'clock or four o'clock on a Friday afternoon Pacific time is essentially saying, Hey, yo dog, we're just going to turn you off in 24 hours regardless. Yeah. So why not just kill the product, the the service at that point to kill the app at that point. Um, The next thing is people are going to go after their hosts. I think parlor is hosted on AWS. So that's, that's the next Amazon has to decide whether (laughs) they want to allow that on their servers or not. Yeah. Um, what, what, what other, are we forgetting other things? I mean, the other thing that struck me, uh, Hollywood, who is a Twitter person who I've, I've enjoyed her work over the years about, um, 
politics and fascism and and uh, the the late stage capitalism and uh, apparently also like millennial slash Gen Z dating rituals um, <laughs> posted that on left Twitter, people have been like sand off your fingerprints and use signal and encrypt everything and be ultra paranoid. And meanwhile, this whole thing was planned on like open Facebook groups and advertised by the president on Twitter and public forums and things like that. Um. So, you know, uh, that's a thing to think about. I suppose I so. Do that again. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I get so frustrated. I've seen people in the last couple of days saying like dredging up a tweet from some reporter or writer from like three weeks ago, <clears throat> like, you know, a few days before Christmas or something going like, look, this person predicted everything they did on January 6th. It's amazing. Like he, he figured it all out. He got well, all of it. And it's you like you didn't have to fucking predict. He it. Didn't, they told you they were going to do it. Yes. I was looking at that shit throughout the break, which is not a healthy way to spend your holiday break. But like nobody predicted anything. They were flat out proclaiming exactly what happened for three weeks before it happened. Like, it's just such an unbelievable breakdown of like security protocol and information gathering and like equal application, equal application of like security and the law, quite frankly, like I'm sure there's a a cognitive fallacy, a cognitive studies fallacy or, or, or whatever for this. But I mean, the thing that he that that Trump has skated by on so often is that he says so many insane things um, that people just say, oh, yeah, don't don't believe what he says. He doesn't actually he can't believe that that's not real at this. We're four years in. He's tried to have an insurrection. We like believe what he says. If he tells you he's going to have like when he posts that. He's not going to be at the inauguration as as a as a fucking dog whistle to go attack the the inauguration. Please believe him for the yeah. love of God. Yeah. Like he the number of times he said he like he said, I want to ban, you know, Muslims from entering the country. Oh, he can't possibly mean that. That would be insane. And yes. then five days into the term, five days after. Yeah. After he was the president, he wrote an executive order that tried to ban Muslims from entering the country. It's 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 it's. Yeah. When the fascist says I'm going to do fascist stuff, believe the fascist in the yeah, believe, future. Believe, Please. believe the autocrat. That's the Masha Gessen advice, which yeah. does prove to be quite, uh, quite apt. It turns uh, out you listen to the people who've survived autocratic and, and authoritarian regimes and said, hey, here are a bunch of bad things that are going to happen. Maybe we should have listened to them. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know about you. I, I feel Oh, okay. I guess I now as good I, as could be expected. Uh, I mean, I'm incredibly concerned about the next 12 days. I was, was going to say as good as can be expected, given that they have not removed him from fucking office yet. Yeah. I mean, look, the, the, here's the, the one thing I will say about the, the fact that we haven't started impeachment proceedings here four days after is that there are good reasons that we that it takes a long time to start a process like this, right? Like writing the articles of impeachment isn't as simple as copying, pasting the last ones and find and replacing Ukraine for insurrection or sedition, right? Like, the, like if they don't get that stuff right, then it won't work. And sure. and it's like casting a magic spell. You have to have all the bits and pieces in place before you before you start chucking stuff into the pot. Um, the not invoking the twenty fifth amendment when he waited for 90 ish minutes without answering calls from the Capitol from our elected leaders to send in the national guard and federal agents to help with the, with the mob that was storming the Capitol is the thing that he should be impeached, convicted and sent to jail for. Absolutely. Well, one of, one of several, I I mean, look, if nothing else sticks, I, I hope the, the, oh, the, you know, there's one more thing I want to talk about while we're here in burning Repu- bridges with all uh, the five Republican listeners that are left. Um, I hope that the elected, the, the members of House and Congress that spent multiple hours hiding on the floor under desks trying to get anything between them and potential shooters. I hope that they remember what that feels like for the rest of their lives. 
And I hope that every single time there's a gun control bill or they have, you know, moms demand people wanting to meet with them that they won't talk to. I hope they remember what it feels like to be under the threat of the active shooters, because that's something that every time we do an active shooter drill at my daughter's school, she comes home, she cries, she tells us what it was like. We tell her it's going to be okay, even though I know it fucking for sure is not going to be okay if we're ever in that actual situation. And you know, we put our five-year-olds and our 10-year-olds and our 18-year-olds through this multiple times a year and fuck them for not doing anything about gun legislation, gun control in this country. Yeah. Um, because it's asinine. It's asinine that, that you know, people stormed the Michigan Capitol with guns and we couldn't remove them. It's asinine that there were multiple people carrying firearms into the Capitol because we couldn't control them. It, like, it, it is, it, it's time. And and when these people are voting to to not convict Donald Trump next week for an impeachment or to use rules committee bullshit to make sure that that the articles of impeachment don't show up on the Senate until after McConnell's not in charge anymore. Um, I, I they I want them to think about what it was feel, what it felt like to be laying on the floor and wondering if they were going to survive the next hour at the angry mob that the president sicked on them. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's that's I've said. That's my piece. Yeah. Well, it all said. Enough said. I don't like, I guess that's it. I don't, <laughs> I think we're all just kind of like stunned and heartbroken and angry and not sure what to do next here. I, I mean, so the thing to do next there as a citizen of the United States in a district where you have a representative and two senators that, that represent you, you have an easy thing to do. Whether you believe that they agree with you or not, you need to send them a letter that says, hey, I would like you to do something about the armed insurrection. This is not something that will pass. We do not need unity. We do not need thoughts and prayers. We no. need action taken against the people that both broke into the Capitol and instigated the break into the Capitol, or else this will happen again. And the next time we all may not be so lucky. Yep. And I like, rem- if, yeah, yes, that, that has to be, that has to be the takeaway from this. If nothing else, if, if people don't get anything else through their heads about this, it is that if this is not, you know, if the people responsible for this are not held accountable to the fullest possible extent, it's going to happen again. The fact that we got a second chance to to uh, fix this, <laughs> the fact that we are ha- we have the ability to have a second chance to fix this problem is a, a blessing. We are unbelievably lucky. We will not get a third chance. Yeah. So yep. we, we need to behave in every way. I put this in my letters, too. I'm sending I'm sending a slightly different letter every day to my representatives. <laughs> Who probably all agree with me completely, but like they they need to re- be reminded constantly. We do not. We will not get a third chance to fix this problem, yes. and we need to take advantage of it now. Yep. Uh, and I guess on that note, let's thank our uh, patrons for supporting yeah. the show. Yes. Um, uh, as always, thank you everyone who supports the show. Uh, I want to shout out the folks in the Discord uh, because we still don't have moderators even after this week. Uh, I think I had to ask people not to, not to, to be kind once, <laughs> not yeah. necessarily to fascist, but just in general. Yeah. Um, and I asked people not to post any videos that they wouldn't want their kids to see. Yeah, um, sure. It's a good policy. But overall, even in times of great turmoil, people were incredibly well behaved and I'm, I'm proud to be part of that community. And, and I'm, I'm, I was incredibly grateful this week to have places where we could come in and talk about this in an adult and frank and thoughtful way. Yeah. I, I should have mentioned a bunch. Of, yeah. Uh, I should have mentioned it earlier that discord was a not insignificant part of my kind of digital, you know, array of, of resources on the day. Having, like, having like I had, I was in three different discords. I was in a couple that were shared with some you know small ones with friends and then um, the 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 our Discord, and then the one for my Twitch channel at Will Smith, and uh, all all of those places were a large part of the filtering process for what was important. Who was writing thoughtful things yeah. that that were worth reading? Who you know wh- what was going on outside of the sphere of my friend group, which is mostly middle aged white guys, <laughs> and. Um, it's incredibly valuable and helpful and and good and and important. So thank you all. Yes. Um, 
extra special thanks to our executive producer level patrons, the Bunny Fiend, Jacob Chappell, Andrew Cotton, David Allen, and James Kamek. We appreciate you all so much. Absolutely. Um, and uh, if you would like to support the podcast and support the Patreon, uh, I'm sure we'll get a couple of angry unsubscribes this week from people who are like, fuck you. I don't I, you're going to talk bad about Republicans. I'm leaving. I'm like, that's fine. See ya. Uh, take your money someplace else. You know, to, to their to their, to whatever extent they deserve credit, there are plenty of Republicans who should have broken ranks long before now who have finally done so in the last few days. That 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 is absolutely yeah. Like, like uh, I I can't give them much credit, but like it's I you know it's worthy of recognition. I had a family member who thought I was a lunatic for the last five years who sent me a note yesterday and apologized. And I was like, I never thought I would speak to you again. So, hey, welcome yeah. back. It's good to yeah. hear from you. Yeah, I, honestly, like I am. I am not always the person who when somebody finally comes around months to years after they should have to say, fuck you. Where were you two years ago? Like to, to, to some to some to some extent, there has always got to be some some potential for uh, repentance. You know, I, I'm I am. I will never forgive the people who vote to, you know, not convict Trump on this right in sure. the Senate. Yes. Uh, if you I, but look, I voted for Bush in 2000. We all make mistakes. <laughs> Fair. Uh, if I had that to do over again, probably would. I didn't live in Florida, so it didn't matter. But no. but like, look, I have it is never too late to look up and say, hey, uh, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have believed what this lunatic was saying. I really like The Apprentice. Fuck, I don't know, man. I watched <laughs> The Apprentice. Um, I look. We all make mistakes, Brad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the only point I'm making is that even among Republicans, there are quite a few people in the last few days that seem to have had their their heads their heads screwed on straight. Finally, after living in delusion for too long. I guess my point is, I don't feel like I would self-identify as a Republican after the events of the last few weeks. Um, but yeah, if if you if you recant Trump, you're welcome. We're happy to have you. Um, that's it. Uh, you can find the Patreon at tech at patreon.com slash tech pod. If you want to support it. Awesome. We love you. I mean, we love you either way, unless you're supporting fascism in America, in which case get wrecked. I guess that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Stay safe, everybody. <laughs> yes. Be, please be safe. Uh, if, oh, you know, here's one more thing that's important. If, if this is all overwhelming and you need to take a minute and do something else, take a break away from the madness of our current thing. That's fine. You know, send your like the thing. The most important thing you can do is send your letter to your representatives. After you do that, you don't don't feel compelled to stay glued to the TV or the Twitter or the discords. Like everybody needs to go do something and be a normal human being and make some food and take a shower and go on a walk and wear a mask and, you know, talk to your loved ones and and do things that are not this. Yes. And, and we have to take care of ourselves. But anyway, thank you all so much. And, and we'll be back next week with hopefully a, a more normal tech pod, I hope. <laughs> God only knows. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed.